Welcome to Double Happiness Multiplied with Sally Barker, the complete guide to enjoying your multiple pregnancy and building a happy, healthy family life. Welcome to Season 1 of Double Happiness Multiplied. I'm Sally Barker. On Episode 4, we're looking into gestational diabetes. We'll speak with diabetes educator, nurse practitioner and midwife Marina Mickelson about how to manage the condition and what foods to avoid and what foods you probably need to increase in your diet. Mum of triplets Rochelle Lear, who was diagnosed with gestational diabetes, explains how she coped with the condition. And identical twin Deb Howe, who has just delivered identical twin boys, invited us along when she had her glucose tolerance test. Pregnancy causes a diabetic state in every woman. About 90% of pregnant women can cope with it, while 10% can't. It's this latter group who get gestational diabetes. So what is gestational diabetes? Diabetes educator, nurse practitioner and midwife Marina Mickelson has spent more than 20 years explaining this to pregnant women. Gestational diabetes is diabetes which is picked up for the first time in a pregnancy. So prior to the pregnancy, the woman has had no previous diagnosis of diabetes. In the pregnancy, she has been tested at whatever gestation throughout her pregnancy. And it just shows that she has a glucose intolerance in the pregnancy, which can, if she doesn't look after her diet and test her blood glucose levels, can cause complications for her baby. As Marina explains, the percentage of women diagnosed with gestational diabetes varies depending on the population. On average, around about 10% of the Caucasian population will get gestational diabetes. But then if you add in the Indian, the Asian, the Indigenous population, African population, it can be up to around about 20% of the population will get gestational diabetes. Why is it higher for those populations? These women are more at risk just because of mainly the food that they're eating. A lot of them, you know, there is more diabetes in their families. So Asians, diabetes is a lot more prevalent in Asians. But if you look at the foods that they're eating in Australia compared to what they would have been eating, say, three or four generations in their communities, it's the Western diet, which their bodies aren't able to cope with, which is increasing their chances. Now, Marina says when you're carrying multiples, your pregnancy can be impacted significantly more than if you were carrying a singleton. A woman who's carrying either twins, triplets or whatever multiple that she's carrying has a bigger placenta or a bigger placental site. And gestational diabetes has a lot to do with placental hormones. So obviously, the more babies that you're carrying, you've got more placental hormones on board, which is going to increase your chances of gestational diabetes in that pregnancy. So can you explain how those hormones affect our blood sugars? So with the placental hormones, now unfortunately these are the hormones that make us cranky and teary when we're pregnant Mm -hmm. as well, but these placental hormones cause like a wall or a barrier around all our cells in our body, so our muscles and our fat cells are the cells which are mainly affected. So these placental hormones cause this barrier around these cells so the glucose in our bloodstream cannot get stored as they normally would. If you've got a twin pregnancy or a triplet pregnancy, you're going to have more of these hormones, so you're going to have more of this barrier around the wall of your cells, so less glucose is going to be able to get through to be stored. So when you have the test in pregnancy, your levels are going to be higher, which increases the chances of giving you that diagnosis. So talk us through what's involved in the testing. 
Okay then, so there's two ways that the testing can be done. The first way can just be a fasting blood glucose test and some GPs will do this for higher risk women, for women who've had previous gestational diabetes. So this will be usually done in the first 12 weeks of pregnancy when you have your uh, booking blood tests for your pregnancy. If that fasting level is elevated, then you've got the diagnosis of gestational diabetes. You don't have to have that two-hour glucose drink test which would normally be done later. That was the first way. The second way is the glucose tolerance test where you drink the 75 grams of glucose syrup and then a series of three blood tests are taken to see how your body reacts to that glucose load that you're given. The test is ideally done at around about the 26 to 28 week mark in the majority of women. But if a woman who's had either a um, previous gestational diabetes or a strong family history of type 2 diabetes a lot of these women will be having their tested around about the 20 to 22 week mark because we know that they're higher risk so obviously it's better to pick up the GDM earlier in the pregnancy than 26 to 28 weeks. Deb Howe is an identical twin and she just delivered identical twin boys. She was at a high risk of gestational diabetes because her twin sister has type 1 diabetes. She invited us along to her glucose tolerance test at 26 weeks gestation. Now it's eight o'clock. You've been fasting for ten hours. Yeah. How are you feeling? Yeah, pretty good. Yeah, I had um, some steak for dinner, and I think maybe steak and vegetables is good to, you know, keep the blood sugar. It's not too carby, so I'm not lacking that for the next morning. Have you been watching your diet just in case? Before I got pregnant, I was eating a low carb, high fat diet, but then when I started getting sick, all I craved was carbs. So. Yeah, that wasn't great. So I did um, gain a bit of weight in that trimester. But since about 20 weeks, I have definitely been watching it. Been eating much less, not needing as much. So not needing to snack as much so I'm, because I'm not feeling as nauseous and that horrible feeling in your mouth and your stomach when you're a bit sick. So definitely have been watching what I eat lately. Oh, thank you. And lucky it's nice and cold as well does make you feel a little bit nauseous and it does make baby do the boogie. Two babies, yeah. Two babies. Oh, wow. They'll, they'll be very excited, I'm sure. Not too bad. The first, the first taste was very nice, like lemonade, but then you kind of actually taste it. It's not too bad, actually. It's done. Yeah. Time is on. So you've got to wait an hour, call you in in an hour, so that will make it... Just on 10 past nine. Okay, so you can take a seat out in the waiting room. Here's your Medicare card. Thank you. Are you okay with this? Yeah, yeah. I donate blood usually, not when I'm pregnant, obviously, but okay. this sounds a good one. Gosh, I like watching it when it's other people. Oh, do you? And I, I like watching when it's um, like donating blood, it's interesting as well. Like, as soon as it's in, I look down and seeing the blood flow through. Perfect. Well done. Thank you very much. That's all right. I'm just getting sign up. Uh -huh. Relatively painless. Thank you so much. Awesome. You're free to go. Very good. good luck with everything. Oh, thank you. Following three blood tests in two hours and an anxious wait to get the results of those tests, Deb was given the all clear. She delivered her identical boys at 34 weeks gestation. However, if Deb had been diagnosed with gestational diabetes, Marina tells us that she would have some specific monitoring to consider in order to maintain a healthy pregnancy. 
Once a woman is diagnosed with gestational diabetes, their doctor, obstetrician or midwife will usually refer them to a dietitian or a diabetes educator who's going to teach them about what they need to do. So what is gestational diabetes? What does it mean to them? What does it mean to their baby? Someone will have a look at exactly what they're eating and then give them suggestions of what sort of foods they should be eating to decrease the amount of glucose going through to the baby. Then they'll also teach the woman how to test her blood glucose levels. It's usually only three days a week at home, but testing her blood glucose levels to make sure that her levels are within range. Obviously, if her levels are not within range, then we may need to think about something like treatment to help her control her gestational diabetes. And obviously, exercise as well. Uh, Whichever health professional speaks to her is going to speak to her about exercise and the importance of exercising regularly to help break down glucose to keep those levels within range. We're not going to recommend that women start doing cycling classes or pump classes at the gym. You know, just simple exercise like walking would be the main thing that we get women to do who aren't exercising at all. Even a 15, 20-minute walk is going to help break down circulating blood glucose. Walking in the pool, is that also something that... Water walking is fantastic because with water walking, you've got the resistance of the water against your biggest muscle group, so that's actually going to help break down more glucose. How dangerous can gestational diabetes be? For the majority of people, gestational diabetes is not dangerous at all. It only becomes dangerous if women are not looking after themselves and not controlling their blood glucose levels and their levels are high. Obviously, the higher their blood glucose levels are, this excess glucose is going through to the baby and then obviously that can cause problems for the developing fetus. So if you haven't had the test, are there any symptoms we could look out for? Not really. It's not like type 1 or type 2 where you get symptoms With gestational diabetes, most women have got no idea that they have it. Your doctor may see or midwife may see that your baby is bigger for gestation than what is expected. That may be the first symptom that you've got gestational diabetes. Rochelle Lear was diagnosed with gestational diabetes at around 26 weeks gestation. At the time, she was still working full-time while carrying triplets. When you find out you've got that and you're very not limited to what you can eat, the hardest thing was being... Because I worked to, to 28 weeks and the hardest thing was finding things you can eat, you know, from the lunch bars. <laughs> but to be honest, it didn't affect me at all, apart from the inconvenience of having to prick yourself all day. Um, I had to keep a food diary... And just, I think there was only a couple of times that I, I went over the, the levels, you know, and I could understand why. And, um, and I actually found it quite easy to manage, but it was just the fact that you had to eat a lot or eat sort of quite regularly, like every few hours or whatever, have a little snack, or, mm-hmm. which I found difficult because I didn't have any room. I'm sure other people would have it worse. And when you wake up first thing in the morning, you do a test, and I think the level... It has to be under five or something, whereas in the day, it's seven. So I th- obviously they realise that your sugar level's going to go down overnight. In hospital was the weirdest thing, because I had those three or f- three days before I had them. That's when I realised how much you're supposed to be eating, because they come around with breakfast and then drop off a snack for morning tea and then your lunch and then another snack and then dinner and then another snack you're supposed to have in the after that even. It was just... Um, just too much. Yeah. And the other thing is, is you had to wait two hours after you'd eaten to do the test and make sure you didn't eat any, yeah, during that time, which is fine when you can't, when you've got no room in your stomach. It's remembering things like that. I actually think, oh, obviously I had to go for scans every week and I have gestational diabetes, but I actually think I had a good pregnancy. Like, 
I could work to 28 weeks fine, you know, I, I didn't have aches or pains or... And I felt good, which is weird. So, yeah, and I, but I think working to that stage actually kept me positive. I think if I'd have stopped working at 20 weeks or whatever, like some people with triplet, because you do get quite big, <laughs> I think you probably wouldn't be as positive because you'd sit there worrying about your scan on Monday and, you know, it kind of takes your mind off it. As we've learned, Rochelle's pregnancy was relatively uneventful and the boys arrived at 30 weeks gestation. And apart from the expected challenges that having babies in the neonatal intensive care unit presents, the boys continue to thrive. When it comes to nutrition during pregnancy, Marina Mickelson recommends every woman, not just those who've been diagnosed with gestational diabetes, pay attention to what's on their plate. And for some, there might be a steep learning curve on the way. A quarter of our plate should be carbohydrates. So that's, for example, say rice, pasta, bread, starchy vegetables. Another quarter of the plate should be protein, so meat, fish, eggs, and then the rest, leafy green vegetables, salad and vegetables. That's ideally what your plate should look like. Someone who has diabetes, type 1, type 2 or gestational, the carbohydrates they're having should be as low GI as possible. So the carbohydrates are breaking down slower and releasing the glucose into the bloodstream a lot slower than a fast-acting uh, carbohydrate. How do we choose low GI carbs? Okay, then, so there's a lot of websites that would help you work out what is a low GI carbohydrate, but a simplistic way to do it is the less processed any food is, the lower the GI. So if you're looking at a piece of bread, a grainy piece of bread is going to be lower GI. It's going to break down a lot slower because your body has to work harder to break it down than a white piece of bread. So you want to go for your less processed foods. As Marina explains, the good news for women who've been diagnosed with gestational diabetes is that for around 95% of you, the condition will resolve once the babies are born. In the cases where it doesn't go, these women have undiagnosed type 2 diabetes. So they've come into the pregnancy, they haven't been aware that they've got type 2 diabetes. Because it's picked up in pregnancy, we say it's gestational. So what is recommended for all women who have gestational diabetes, it's recommended they have their follow-up glucose tolerance test just to prove that the diabetes is now gone. When would that be done? The woman would get the form when she goes for her six-week check with her GP, but most women will do it at around about the eight to ten-week mark. Now, when the baby is born, is the baby affected, or baby, babies, are they affected? If the mother's blood glucose levels have been higher in the pregnancy, this means that the baby's blood glucose levels have been higher as well in utero. And once that baby is born, because it's been used to higher blood glucose levels, its blood glucose levels can drop. So this baby can have problems with low blood glucose levels or hypos in the first day or so of life. Because they've got low blood glucose levels, the baby may need some top-ups with either breast milk or formula just to bring those blood glucose levels up. Within a couple of days, most babies are able to self-regulate their insulin and it doesn't seem to be a problem. Is that the same with preemie babies as well as term babies? Preemie babies have obviously have other issues. So, you know, preemie babies do have issues with regulating their blood glucose levels as well, just because, you know, they've got a lot of other issues with maintaining their, their body temperature and, you know, breathing and all their other issues. But yes, preemie babies as well, their glucose levels would be monitored to make sure that they're within range as well. 
Once a woman's had gestational diabetes in one pregnancy, what are the chances she will get it again in subsequent pregnancies? Okay, so it's quite high, the chance of getting it in subsequent pregnancies. And one of the risk factors is age. And obviously, as we have more children, we're getting older. And unfortunately, a risk factor for gestational diabetes is being 30 or over. And most of us these days are over 30 when we're having our first or even subsequent pregnancies. So every year we are over 30, increases our chances It's around about a 40 to 50% chance of getting it in a subsequent pregnancy. Now, is there a chance of having type 1 or type 2 diabetes for the woman long-term after having gestational diabetes? There is a chance of type 2 diabetes. Very seldomly uh, a woman will have type 1 diabetes. It's very rarely diagnosed type 1 diabetes in a pregnancy. But as I said earlier, around about 5% of women will have undiagnosed type 2 diabetes in that pregnancy. And so that's going to be picked up when we do that follow-up glucose tolerance test if they have type 2 diabetes. Now for the babies, is there a chance that there is a genetic possibility when they go on to have babies, they will have gestational diabetes as well? Mm -hmm, Definitely. So there's a genetic component as well. So we've spoken about the placenta and the placental hormones, but women who get gestational diabetes will usually have a family member with type 2 diabetes. A lot of women will come and say, oh, yeah, my grandparents have or my grandfather has type 2 diabetes. So these children may be at risk. So daughters may be at risk of getting gestational diabetes when they're pregnant. Boys or girls are at risk also of type 2 diabetes later in life. It's important to understand what's happening to your body and that of your babies if you've been diagnosed with gestational diabetes. And Marina says there are a few specific questions you should ask your specialist. You want to make sure that you are getting educated. So if you, if you get a diagnosis for gestational diabetes and your doctor says, look, don't worry about it, it's minor, you don't need to worry about it, ask questions, seek further help because you want to be educated. You know you want to know what sort of things you need to be eating to decrease that chance of that extra glucose going through to the baby. So what should I be eating? You know, I want to start testing my blood glucose levels to make sure that they're within range. Um, will I need any extra monitoring in the pregnancy? You know, a lot of doctors would order extra scans just to watch the growth of that baby to work out what is the safest way to deliver the baby. There's some key questions. Do I need to be monitored more closely now? What can I do in terms of my diet and my health? Mm-hmm. And is there someone I could go to about exercise? Are they they the sorts of things we should be asking? Definitely, definitely. Yeah. 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 And a diabetes educator will be able to provide most of that information for women. Thank you for listening to Season 1, Episode 4 of Double Happiness Multiplied. Coming up on Episode 5, we're discussing the most common complications that can arise in a multiple pregnancy. Maternal fetal medicine specialist, Associate Professor Craig Pennell explains certain conditions to be aware of, what to look out for, and what to do when you receive a diagnosis you're not expecting. Alexa Bigwarf talks about twin-to-twin transfusion syndrome, and I'll share my story of intrauterine growth restriction. Until next time, I wish you double happiness multiplied. The only purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform and should not be used to diagnose any medical condition. It's no substitute for professional care by a doctor or other qualified medical professional. This podcast is provided on the understanding that it doesn't constitute medical or other professional advice or services. Instead, I encourage you to discuss your options with a healthcare provider who specialises in multiple births. 
Guests who speak on this podcast express their own opinions, experience and conclusions. Thank you for listening to Double Happiness Multiplied, the complete guide to enjoying your multiple pregnancy and building a happy and healthy family life. Remember to head over to doublehappinessmultiplied.com to get access to more great resources.